0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Chasing Perfection, a brand new Yukon women's basketball podcast from the Yukon blog. I'm Daniel Connolly. I'm here with Megan Gower. What's up, Megan?
1: Hey, Dan. Excited to be starting this, episode one. Yeah,
0: Yeah. super excited. It's been in the works for a long time. It took a little mm-hmm. while to figure out the name. Thank you, Dan Madigan, for the name suggestion. <laughs> so uh, we're really excited about the podcast. I think from my in unofficial research it's the first fully specific Yukon women's basketball podcast so as just a general idea of what to expect uh, for the first few months until the season starts we're planning to go every other week and then hopefully when and if the season begins we'll go once a week after this we're hoping to get some guests on we have a few ideas but nothing totally lined up yet so I don't want to spoil any surprises but Yeah, we're just looking forward to having a place to talk about UConn women's basketball and everything that's going on with them. All right, so I guess we should just jump right into it. So last Monday, we finally got a chance to meet with the entire team. It was basically the Zoom version of Gino's For the Kids Golf Tournament. All 11 players talked, Gino Auriemma talked. Uh, Megan, just what general takeaways did you have from the first time we met this year's team?
1: Um, I think one thing is there's a lot of new faces obviously six freshmen so a lot of changes from last year and then obviously we didn't really see Avina on the court last year either so kind of another sort of new face. Um, Crystal and Meg are gone so a new leadership group as well a little bit younger of a leadership group with Avina being her first year playing for the team and then the two juniors and Kristen and Olivia um, but other than that I think a lot of good stuff came out of that about what's going on in the offseason um, you know Kristen and Anna both talked about how they've gotten into better shape. So kind of a lot of stuff to look forward to on the court whenever that happens. That is.
0: Yeah, for sure. I thought Avina's is really interesting to me because obviously she didn't play last year, kind of got hosed at every single opportunity by just like life in general, had the knee surgery. Once she got to campus, got her waiver rejected by the NCAA, which I think UConn was, or not, I don't think UConn was really upset <laughs> about it. Then, she's at least able to practice, but then it gets to new year's Eve and she gets the second knee surgery. She has to sit out the rest of the year and then she gets stuck on campus after COVID shuts everything down. And she's the only one on her team on campus. And it's her and a cook as Gino said. So like, she's just had, it's been such a rough go for UConn, but I find it really interesting that she's a captain, even though she's never played in a game here. The fact that she's has that type of standing in such little time is really impressive. Like everyone, everyone, that's ever said anything about Avena has just been like as effusive as they can about how incredible of a leader she is and how well she's embraced the program. And I think it would just be really funny for her to like help UConn win a national championship for the sole purpose of watching Tennessee fans have a meltdown over
1: it. <laughs> I mean, fair, that a totally wild thing that could happen, right? She was a number two recruit coming out of her class behind Megan Walker. So obviously comes with some kind of hard high regards on the court had a pretty good season her freshman year at Tennessee. Obviously it's been a bit since she's been on the court, but it'll be exciting to kind of see, um, you know, how that shapes up.
0: It'd also be really funny if like I mean, you kind of had the number one 2017 class, that was what Avina started in. She was the number two, one in that. And now UConn doesn't have a single person <laughs> left in that class, but imagine if like the, main driver of their next national championship was from that freshman class and none of them that originally came (laughs) that would that would be very on brand for that class i also am really interested to see what Kristen can do this year because i mean statistically she really wasn't that bad last year but you could tell she was struggling and she even admitted she was struggling but gino said she's in much better shape and i think just the amount of time that She's played basketball in the last few years with USA three on three. I think the time off is actually going to be one of those things that works out well for her.
1: Agreed. I mean, obviously she sounded super excited about where she's at right now. I think freshman year, Kristen Williams really impressed probably both of us, a lot of people. She was really great in her freshman season. So, I mean, even if she's just back at that level, she's going to have a great season. But assuming she's probably going to build on that some, it should be a really exciting junior season from her.
0: Right. And what you see is what you get from Kristen Williams. Like she, she really doesn't hide anything super well. So the fact that she's this excited about the new season starting, I, it's gotta be a really good sign. I, I just also just the, all the returners in general. I mean, we can go through, we could go through every single one, but it's like every single one has something to prove. Like you don't have a single, I mean, I, you, you kind of know what you're getting in Kristen and Olivia and to a certain extent, Anna and Aubrey, but they all have something to prove because they really all need to take a step up. You're losing a ton of production with Crystal and Megan. So Gino said he's been really impressed with how everyone's come back, but I'm just really excited to see how everyone progresses in that roles, because that's just the way college athletics works. Like the players need to progress. And from as long as UConn has been good, they've had those younger players step up, but, There's. I still feel like there's always that surprise of like last year, Kristen maybe wasn't as good as we thought she was going to be. And when you go back to the 2016-17 year, I don't think anyone thought that team was going to be as good as they were. They weren't supposed to go undefeated. So I'm really looking forward to whenever the season does start what the returning group actually looks like.
1: Agreed. I'm especially excited to see what Aubrey Griffin looks like. I feel like she's just yeah. such a fun player to watch. Obviously, had huge moments kind of off the bench for them this season, especially on the defensive end. Reminds me a lot of Gabby Williams, so we all know how mm-hmm. Gabby Williams' career went, so <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't yeah,
1: watch sh- that. <laughs>
0: Right. And she's really interesting because I mean, last year she was basically running around with her head cut off and just mm-hmm. causing mayhem everywhere, which like, there's a role for that on every single team. I think that's pretty much what you're going to be expecting Mir McLean and Aliyah Edwards to be doing. But she said she's been working out with her brothers over the summer. One is been playing division one basketball. The other one's committed to Duke. I mean, if you're a men's basketball player and you're committed to Duke, you're one of the best players in the country. So She's not just practicing with the best women's player in in the country. She's practicing with the best men's player. So if she can have a more refined skill set, especially on offense, last year she was pretty much just driving to the hoop. If she can start putting up some some shots and be a little less frenetic and frantic on both ends of the court, I like. I don't see any reason that she couldn't be an All American next season. Aside from the fact that, like, I think you could say that there's a possibility that every player. All five returners could be all Americans.
1: Yeah. So they can't, well, theoretically they could, but they can't all be all Americans. So someone will have to stand out. Um, but right. yeah, agreed. I think, you know, when you're thinking about like conference level, like Biggie's pl- defensive player of the year, that's probably like a battle between Liv and then Aubrey. It would be interesting to kind of see who can take that. I think they both are like just so strong defensively. So it'll be interesting to kind of watch that. Right. Fold oh got God.
0: I'm- Imagine Liv if she's not getting into foul trouble like every other game. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it was in like mid January, she was on pace to just totally shatter the school's like shot block records. And even not playing in, assuming they got to the final four or five more games, she still finished in the top 10 in like most categories. So, And then there were a lot of games last season that she was only playing in like less than 10 minutes a game because Gina was pissed at her. So Mm -hmm. I think she's just going to be such a force this year that we haven't seen down low from UConn since, I don't know, like Stephanie Dolson, maybe even they haven't really had a like really, really good center in a long time.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I feel like also, you know, not playing her for more than 10 minutes because he's pissed is just not going to be an option this year, unless you're going to give a freshman a ton of minutes like she's going to have to be in the game. So as long as she can stay out of foul trouble, I think she's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. And Like you said, just looks like she's put on some muscle over the summer and stuff. If she can be kind of a force underneath the rim for UConn, that's going to be a huge asset that we haven't seen in a while, which is probably one of the things that's kind of hurt them and they're like trying to win a championship in the last few years is not having a strong presence there.
0: Right, because I remember the Notre Dame, the the first Notre Dame Final Four in Columbus, Jessica Shepard, they just had absolutely no answer for her. And even this past year, like, you obviously had live, but she clearly wasn't ready to take on... I don't want to say she wasn't ready to take on the starting role, but she wasn't ready to be the number one only post player on the team. And you could tell that she struggled against those bigger teams because she would put up really good numbers against like Oklahoma, who didn't have anyone who was taller than six feet. But then she goes up against one of the best post players in the country and she kind of faded. But just an entire summer where she has that work ethic that Gino talked about her developing after the Oregon game and how she went from one of the worst practice players on the team to one of the best, like, and the fact that it seems like Jamel Elliott, the new assistant coach really has figured out how to push her buttons to the point that like, I think she's going to be competing to be one of the best centers in the country.
1: Yeah. Which will be awesome for this team. It's really what they need. Um, If she can play at that level, the ceiling for this team is a lot higher than it is if she's not playing at that level.
0: Right. For sure. And I think, just the biggest thing is going to be who's behind her. Cause last year, I think Gino would kind of use Kyla in that center role, but it, a lot of times when Liv got into foul trouble, it was Aubrey coming in the game. So I think, I think that's a really interesting lineup if you're using Aubrey at the five, because that's how they used Gabby Williams. She was a de facto center despite being five eleven, And I think you add in the fact that you have two players that, have a similar skill set to Aubrey coming in and Mir McLean and Aaliyah Edwards. I think it's going to be more of a small ball type setup if Liv's not in the game compared to maybe using like Piaf Gabriel as a true center in there.
1: Right. Yeah. That's definitely going to vary, you know, who you're playing. It's probably not going to make sense to play Aubrey at the five when you've got like the- best centers against you if you're playing like south carolina for instance with you know elite right. awesome on there, but a great as most teams like that's not an elite team with an elite center they'll be able to play Aubrey at the five and it'll be a lot of fun to watch kind of the small ball lineups
0: yeah i think one of the things that stood out that we learned from the availabilities was page who it just to go on a sidebar it feels re- is it me or does it feel really weird that page is like actually at uconn to play basketball
1: <laughs> It does, I feel like, because we never fit, really finished last season, so it's like it has arrived, like the page era has arrived, but it doesn't really feel like it's arrived. I also can't believe we made it, you know, how long into this podcast, I'm talking about the season without <laughs> <laughs> that page has arrived at UConn.
0: If you had the over for I don't have my watch going, uh, <laughs> yeah, Paige Beckers is like the 7th or 8th players that we've mentioned. It's just like, there's like so much attention about her and so much hype that like I was saying this to someone else. It almost feels like she's some like mythological creature. Like she's, she's a mythological hero, not an actual basketball player. That's just some 18 year old kid because just the attention and the headlines and everything that she gets is just like so much bigger than like, I, I don't even see high school kids except maybe Zion that get this type of attention. It's insane.
1: Yeah, it's totally insane, but also really awesome just in general for the women's game, right? Like you didn't see oh, yeah. any kind of this hype around like Stewie when she came in. And so to see it kind of on the woman's side is it, really exciting to see. I think it kind of puts the women's college basketball a little bit more in the national spotlight than it usually is. Um, Like you said, kind of similar level of hype to like what Zion got. So really an insane level of attention. So it would be really exciting to kind of see... How that folds out now that she's in college, uh, I can only imagine it's going to grow from the type of attention she was getting in her co- high school. So,
0: right, especially at UConn, like, right. I don't mean this as like a dig at other programs, but like, no one has as much attention as what's at UConn. Like, imagine if Sabrina played at UConn. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you like. There's enough seats in Gamble to handle all the <laughs> media that we're going to be showing up to those games. It would have been insane. Like, I, I feel like Paige is. Like, we're going to look back at Sabrina and the level of attention is not even going to be remotely close by the time Paige is like a sophomore or a junior because, like, it's just it's just going to be so much and I am a little terrified that it's a little too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot, right? She's an 18-year-old kid. It's a lot right, of exactly a lot of attention. It's a lot for anyone to handle, let alone an 18-year-old.
0: And it's like, all right, the first game, if she has, like, 12 points and like four assists like in a normal word like first game for a freshman that's a really good game and i feel like if she isn't scoring 30 points a game people are going to be losing their minds because we all know that this isn't the most sane fan base sometimes so (laughs) at least she seems to have a really good kind of perspective of and Mentality of what to expect at UConn, and she seems to handle the attention really well for being how young she is. So, hopefully, that continues and the like pressures don't weigh on her. But I guess to get back to the original point we were at, I found it really interesting that Paige already was kind of talking about what this team is going to be like. She thinks it's going to be a very fast team, going to be doing a lot of shooting up tempo hopefully it's gonna be more fun to watch than last season
1: (laughs) yeah that's for sure i mean well you've got a backcourt right? of like kristen williams number one recruit Paige, number one recruit avita number two recruit like between the three of them something should be fast and exciting
0: (laughs) they probably are good at basketball yeah just a little (laughs) it is amazing like the difference between last year and this year like already through one availability there's just like last year there just kind of seemed to always be this cloud hanging over last year's team no matter what happened until i guess like the aac tournament it seemed to be lifting a little bit but there was just always something happening with this team where something wasn't going right and it all already seems like this year it's more positive and just more upbeat obviously it's super early so that can still change but there's just a different vibe that's going on. I think.
1: Agreed. I feel like even from the first game last year was did they play Cal, I believe. And like they won, but it was a very underwhelming win. Like it was pretty much a mess. Like from day one, there was just like this. Yeah. Like never, no one was ever happy in post game availability.
0: Right. It was like, we didn't really know what to expect. Like, all right, if these guys like step up, they still could be pretty good. Uh, it's going to be tough to replace fee and Lou Cal game happens. And it's like, Oh, I don't know. And then like, it's not like they really got that much better. I mean, there were, it was like January. I think that Memphis was close to them in the fourth quarter. Like they were close in AAC games up until the fourth quarter, a lot of the year. And we've never seen that before.
1: Yeah, it was a very different year, I feel like, for UConn basketball in general. Just like as and, for fans, I'm sure, especially the team overreact, but yeah, it's just a very, very different year.
0: Right. And they still lost only three games.
1: Yep. Like, I feel
0: like that's also like a it's tough to judge last year's team because they played the three like clearly best teams in the country. They didn't really get like a top matchup that that like stepped below like yeah. an Oregon state or a Stanford, which I feel like would have been a better measuring test. And even still, once the tournament came, as long as they weren't in Oregon's bracket, cause they weren't beating Oregon,
1: <laughs>
0: but I would have really enjoyed seeing a different, a second matchup with South Carolina or even Baylor, because like both those games for large portions of it were close and UConn was just slightly below at the time and they couldn't finish it out. But I, I mean, I guess we'll never know.
1: <laughs> yeah I guess we'll never know but yeah like you said I mean the Baylor game was close until the midway through the fourth quarter I feel like it was a close game and then South Carolina minus that like first quarter where they just like couldn't hit a shot to save their lives like, the rest of it was pretty close so agreed one of those matchups again would have been fun to see
0: yeah yeah for sure now I guess one availability so let's get some hot takes going so what do you think if you had to guess right now, who's your starting lineup when the ball tips off in God knows when?
1: All right, I'm gonna go definitely the four returners. So Kristen, Liv, Aubrey, Anna, and then I think Avina. I don't know that page starts off the bat. Just I mean, you know, track record, the chance that a freshman starting in game right. one, right? So yeah, I would go the four returners plus Avina.
0: Right the one that I'm most curious about because I think that would probably be my guess too, but I'm very curious about Aubrey. Like at what point do like, I guess she's not redundant on the roster because she's pretty much the only wing, whereas everyone else is a guard, but is she someone that would be like really good to bring off the bench or is she just going to be like so good that you can't really afford to keep her on the bench? I think, that's that's the one that holds me up. Is like, where is Aubrey, and is she going to be ready to start? And also, just where's Paige coming in? Because obviously she's the number one recruit, and Kristen started a few years ago. But I feel like Kristen's starting was a little more out of necessity, even though she definitely earned it. Like, if they had a roster like they had a couple of years ago, like the, during the Stewie area she obviously wouldn't be starting. So I think Paige is going to be the one that starts and then i'm honestly i'm a little worried about avena like i don't think it's good that she said her knee isn't a hundred percent when she's had two surgeries on it and it's been what seven eight months since she's had that last one like it i could just be reading too far into it but she didn't really sound super optimistic about it calling it like day to day
1: yeah i gotcha um i feel like she's kind of one where one the there might be more time before the season so that might be benefit like are they really going to start at the beginning of November right. I don't, yeah it doesn't seem that likely so you know if they're not starting till January that's a whole different ball game in terms of her recovery but yeah that's a valid point she might still start but her rem- minutes certainly might be limited if she's not at 100 percent
0: yeah I'm just worried that it might be like a lingering thing because mm-hmm. knees are so tricky that like if it's not fixed with two surgeries, like what else can you really do? And is it just going to be a management thing? I'm also not really sure like who's actually a point guard on this team because Avina kind of played the point at Tennessee from what I'm aware. Right. But Mm -hmm. then Kristen, I think is better off as a shooting guard. And then Anna, who I think could handle some duty sometimes is also better off the ball. Um, And I don't know if you want someone like Paige or Nika running the point as a Freshman, so it's just seems like there's not really a true point guard on the roster that's going to be ready to go from day one. So I'm curious if they'll do something like point guard or by committee. Or I remember last year Gino made the reference to uh, Diana Taurasi's career or the last few years of her career when. They basically told Maria Conlon that all she needed to do was dribble it past midcourt and pass it to Diana. So I feel like that kind of might be what the point guard does this year, especially with a team of like if you're playing three guards and then Liv's obviously a really good passer. So you don't really need like a total facilitator out there. I'm very interested to see how they manage that and who is bringing the ball up
1: during that first game yeah agreed i think we saw you know Kristen run the point a little bit last year when crystal was not on the floor so she seems like kind of a obvious like successor to that but also like you said if ran the point at tennessee i could see a kind of a combination between the two of them to start off kind of alternating i think yeah obviously off the ball so hopefully she won't be in that role too much but
0: yeah all right so let's talk about the freshmen then because we have kind of mentioned them in passing but Six freshmen is a lot, five scholarship players, and then Autumn Chasson got added as a walk-on just a few weeks ago. So let's do some power rankings. Let's rank who you think is going to be the most impactful freshman to the least impactful freshman.
1: Okay, well, obviously, page is number one. So that I was going to be really concerned if you didn't <laughs> put page <at> number one. <laughs> the other ones, maybe not as easy. Um, so, yeah, page first for sure. I guess we can put the walk on as the last one. So, autumn at the bottom. So that's one and Fair. six. So that, that makes Sorry. it a little bit easier. <laughs> Sorry, autumn. <laughs> um, yeah, the two through five I feel like it's hard. It's going to yeah, depend. Um, I mean, you've got Nika Mule, is it Mule? I'm saying it wrong. Mule.
0: It's like Mule like a donkey.
1: Okay. So yeah, you've got Nika Mule who probably has some, she's coming from Croatia. she has got a little bit of international experience. I think that tends to help players be a little bit more ready coming in their freshman season. So I could see her being kind of a little bit less of a raw freshman talent, similar to what we saw from Anna last year, right? Where she kind of a little bit, um, her game's a little bit more developed than your typical high school senior. Um, so I guess, but she's also a guard, which has a lot right. Of that's depth. a pretty
0: loaded backcourt. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> this is this is a tough one. I feel like Mir McLean is just such an interesting player that I'm gonna put her at two. She's like very athletic, gonna be it's kind of like a maybe Aubrey's off the bench replacement possibly. So right, but, yeah, I feel like she's at two. Um, hmm. Struggling. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I put you on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. I mean All
0: right. So you've got one, two, and six down.
1: Yes, one, two and six. Well, Gabriel is one of the only players on the team with size. So I feel like even if she's not playing a ton of minutes, she does kind of have an option to come in off the bench if lives in foul trouble. Um She's going to be a little bit more raw, but in kind of conference games and not against top opponents, that might not be as big of a deal. So I feel like just giving them the added size inside is going to be an interesting thing. So maybe her at three. All right. And now... So you've
0: got Aliyah Edwards and... Why am I blanking? Who's the last one? Is it just Aaliyah? Oh, no.
1: It's Nika because I haven't placed her yet. I talked about her, but I didn't put her
0: in. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've got Aaliyah and Nika.
1: Yes. Four and All five. Right. I'm going to put Aaliyah at four, another really athletic player. Okay. Um, and then Nika at five, not because I don't think she's going to be good, but just because there's just already so much depth in that backcourt, there's going to be, I think, that's limited fair. opportunities for her to get minutes.
0: Yeah. See, the thing with PF is like she's got the size, but she's also really raw. So can between now and whenever they start playing get her to a point where like basically all they need her to do is not be a turnstile on defense and rebound the ball, right? Like mm-hmm. that seems like a pretty basic thing to do, but I don't know. So I'm gonna go page one because that's the easy answer. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go Aliyah number two because she's like she's sneaky got size, she's six three. That's like nothing to sneeze at. And she's more in the mold of like a wing. So I could see them kind of trying to turn her into more of a power forward uh, type player as opposed to playing on the outside. And like Gino can't stop talking about Aaliyah whenever he's asked about her. He seems to be really, really high on her. And from what we know, she's got a really, really high work ethic and she just goes after the ball. So I think she's going to be kind of in that mold of Aubrey, but I think a little more rounded and uh, fine no, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just more developed coming into college because she's played with the senior Canadian national team, so she's got to be pretty good. So I think I'm going to put her number two. Uh, now it gets tricky. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so like if you have Aubrey and then you have Aaliyah taking that disruptor off the bench – Does that kind of limit the opportunities for Mir to play right off the bat? Yeah, this is tough. Wow. Um, All right, I think I'm gonna go. Mir number three, just by the like a similar nature to Aaliyah and Aubrey last year, where. It's a lot easier to make an impact as a super athletic player that can play defense by grabbing rebounds than it is for a freshman point guard who kind of has to learn the offense a little bit more and is more reliant on creating their own shots and getting to the basket and facilitating for their teammates. So that leaves me with what, Piath and Nika?
1: Yep.
0: Ah, that's tough. See I I just have no idea what to expect out of Pia. I think that's the like thing I'm caught up on is like she's raw but I really don't know like how raw she is. Like all Gino said is like basically we'll see what she is when she gets here and like they it sounds like they basically recruited her for her size. So all right, I'll go Nika number f- 4 and then let's go PF number 5, Autumn number 6. But I will use this time to drop a hot take that I think at some point in her career, I think Autumn's actually going to make her way into the rotation. I mean,
1: I that's, that's my, fair. yeah.
0: she seems like she's a little bit different than most walk-ons and that's not super uncommon for a Yukon walk-on to actually get some minutes because like, if you look at the most recent ones they've had, Tierney Lawler and Brianna Polito weren't like, turning down D one offers to come to UConn. They more just saw Brianna Stewart's tweet asking for walk-on tryouts and decided to give it a go and basically just worked harder than everyone else. So they weren't like going to be playing in college anyways, but I think the fact that autumn was going to be at a D one school somewhere or at a top junior college, Oregon state had some interest too. So like, that's not, they've been growing as a program. So I think it won't happen this year just because I think there's too many players, but I think at some point, well, not like there's not a roster crunch coming in a few years, but I, I do think she works her way into some minutes beyond just blowouts.
1: Yeah. I think that's a fair take. Like you said, she's obviously different than a lot of the walk-ons they've had before. Um, she's going to be, you know, in the program from year one. So she's going to be training with them all getting used to, Gino style. So, a lot of opportunities for her to kind of make a spot for herself going forward.
0: She also like played two basketball games with coronavirus. (laughs) Like That's insane. So she's definitely not like just an average high school kid. All right. We're going to go into a quick ad break. We'll be back in a second. All right. And we're back. So as we've referenced about 50 times throughout the first section of the podcast, we have no idea where the season's going to start. So the big East canceled all fall sports. UConn canceled its football season and this past week, the NCAA said that it's going to provide some guidance to schools about what winter sports could possibly look like, or if it would be safe for them to continue by mid-September. So that's roughly a month away. I think it's tough because if you're not having fall sports, then you're inherently punting this question down the road, but, are things really going to be improved by november to the fact to the to if the season can tip off in time or at least not get delayed super far i it's it's really tricky and i feel like there's no and like no one has an answer yet right
1: yeah i feel similarly i think it's only two and a half months away but at the same time with everything with this virus it just seems like information just comes day by day so no one really has any idea what things are going to look like two and a half months from now but then again you need to like plan ahead i think like The NCAA coming out and saying they're going to say something in September is an improvement from obviously what's going on with the college football season right now, where it's just like a total disaster. The season's supposed to start like now and we're just still (laughs) making decisions. So (laughs) I do think it's at least good to see that there's like some thought going into it that like two seconds before it's supposed to start. I've I don't know. There's so many ideas being tossed around, right? Like there's the bubble idea being tossed around, but is that feasible for college is a whole nother question it's just like a lot of different sentiments out there about how things are going to go. So basically a giant question mark.
0: Right. And like the bubble stuff, because like it makes sense for pro sports when they're professional athletes. So like, this is their job to do it, but no matter how much we want to make fun of the the NCAA calling student athletes, student athletes, like they still do have school requirements that they're obligated to attend to. And, it's not like there's some universal agreement between schools about who's in in-person classes and who's online only this semester. So if it was like, if the entire biggies could decide that, okay, we're going to go completely online only for this semester, then yeah, you can have a bubble because all the kids can take their classes on their computers. And if they all have their own rooms or at least are in small groups in their own rooms then i think you can handle that workload but that's still a really long time to just be in a hotel room or even at best a villa like the WNBA is which i think it would be very generous to think those are going to be the accommodations that it could work and obviously Gino was not a fan of the idea so i think if college basketball is going to happen it's at least going to happen on campus in with travel happening in some capacity
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. It just doesn't totally seem feasible to do the bubble at a college level. I feel like there's some traction of like, you know, most schools are kind of going with this plan right now of all classes go online after Thanksgiving. So is there an opportunity to basically use campuses like as a bubble for starting the season? Then I'm obviously like if you had a camp, there's probably somewhat of a court number of court issue, but like there's housing, there's food, there's basically everything you need from the bubble and the campus is empty except for, student athletes that could maybe work, but obviously a lot of logistical things there. And then also, well, what happens when kids are supposed to come back to campus in January? That's a big question still. um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So hard to like kind of think about what it look like.
0: Right, exactly. I I feel pretty good that there's going to be some season in some capacity because you can real realistically like push the NCAA tournament back a pretty good amount. Like you can play the NCAA tournament in like June because I mean, assume just even assuming there's not even fans at that point, for some reason, like, there's a million arenas around the country that you can use to play games. And like, even with the women's game, they play in home arenas for the first two rounds. Anyways, maybe you just play in home arenas until the final four, just to make it easier. Cause it's not like Gamble's is going to be used in like late April, early May, except for graduation. Um, so like, that's going to be available. Unlike maybe like the XL center or like the TD garden, just like, places that have other tenants. So even if you start the season in January and there's a better control on the virus by then, and you can play a somewhat normal schedule with a little bit of non-conference and conference January to June is still six months. Like that's pretty much the length of the season anyways. So I think college basketball has a lot more flexibility than everyone else where even if it doesn't start in November, I think you can still figure out a plan to make it look somewhat normal even if it's delayed.
1: Yeah, I agree with that for the most part. There's really no reason that the season can't go into June. The women's game is a little interesting because if the WNBA was going to start on time, right, going to have up there. I don't think that's an issue for the men's game. The draft is probably late enough that it doesn't matter. But um, so that's kind of like one thing. But that's you know a small logistic to assume that one the WNBA season's going to start on time, and also it's a small subset of players, right? So I'm sure there could be find a way to make. Some kind of accommodations where players that are drafted you know, join their WNBA teams after the season or whatever,
0: um. right? Or they have like a rookie start date in like just throw out a random date, July or something. Like, I think if if that's if those are the issues that you're dealing with next summer, then things mm-hmm. have probably gone pretty well. So. Um, <laughs> I think just one of the bigger concerns might be that like what happens with college basketball might just be completely out of the control of like actual basketball teams, because like you look at what's happening around some of the schools, like UNC's already shut down for the semester. And I don't even know if they even started classes like Notre Dame's already decided they're going online. Uh, The last numbers that I saw for UConn was that 25 students are in quarantine and seven have tested positive. Some of three of who are commuters, but I think, I imagine you've seen the videos that have gone around to the parties in the dorms. Like, it's really tough to convince college kids to not be social. So, I think it's gonna be more of a factor of if these campuses can keep the kids safe now that everyone's back on campus. And I think that's gonna be more of the concern going forward. Less than can you execute sports safely? Because I think we're starting to get to a point where they're figuring out how you can do sports safely. Like baseball's had some issues, but for a good chunk of the league, that's gone off well. The USL, again, some issues, but they're playing in home markets and it's for the most part been smooth sailing. So I think if you make it like a just a December 1st start date with the thing, way things are progressing. You would hope that by then there would be some solution that would make this feasible.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, obviously, having more kids on campus obviously adds complications to college. Kids don't blame them at all. I mean, I can think about what right. I would been doing if I was in college. So, <laughs> I'm I sure think I about what
0: I was doing in college <laughs> <Yeah>. in March.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I mean, you can't really blame them. It's I don't. I feel like it's not totally fair to like blame the kids for it. It's like it should have been expected when kids were brought back on campus to like not have anticipated that being an issue is kind of foolish um and for what it's worth in Connecticut too like I'm pretty sure like the actual like state rule is like you are allowed to have like a 25 person indoor gathering so not that I would put 25 people in my house right now but like right like basically like you're not putting more than 25 kids in a dorm room so that's basically what they're doing so I feel for them in that like they're basically doing what's technically allowed but like obviously it's not a good situation
0: do not question what a college kid can do with their <laughs> dorm room
1: <laughs> okay you could fit more than 25 people i'm definitely showing my age a little bit and i'm like god i wouldn't want to be in one of those rooms with 25 people <laughs>
0: no no definitely not but yeah so i mean i think it's just like as it's been for the last how long have we been in quarantine five months It's just like, all right, we'll wait and see. Like, maybe tomorrow will be terrible. Maybe it won't be. Like, all we can do is hope. So, I, like I said, I think at some point there's a college basketball season. I just don't really know what it looks like or when it'll be.
1: Yeah, I agree. At some point there's a season. At some point there's a tournament. There's a question mark on the start date, how long that season is. Is it non-conference play, just conference play? But something will happen, hopefully.
0: Right. So we're going to go into one last ad break and then come back with some basketball that is happening and talk about UConn and the WNBA. All right. And we're back. So WNBA season is about midway through Uh, 16 UConn players in the WNBA this year. A lot of interesting tough stuff to talk about. So I feel like the first place you have to start is just the way crystal Dangerfield started her rookie year. I like, I, I assumed that she was going to be a good player, like regardless of what happened, but I didn't think she would just casually be one of the best point guards in the league uh, less than like a year into her career.
1: Yeah, I think her start's been crazy. I mean, obviously thought she was ready for the league, thought that even though she's small, that she could have a really strong career in the WNBA. I mean, I think what's going on right now, everything that Cheryl Reeve said when the season started is like basically the opposite, right? She's <laughs> Cheryl yeah. was like, she's not gonna start, she's not gonna get <laughs> the bed. Like we Good want one, her for long term, but like this isn't gonna be her year. But <laughs> I guess Crystal had other ideas. Um Probably some injuries and stuff she's ended up in that starting lineup, but she's just like they can't take her out of it at this point. She's just been, I think, she's third off the links in scoring. So, one of their top scorers, she's obviously played the point amazing for them, but then playing close to 30 plus minutes a game. She's had an incredible start. I think she's probably a bit. But maybe like three weeks ago, a hot take to say she was in the rookie of the year race, but at this point with injuries and everything else going on, I think she's probably the favorite to win rookie of the year at the moment. So I have a totally awesome start for her, basically.
0: I just don't understand how 15 teams passed on Crystal Dangerfield. Like, like obviously, yeah, she's short, but how much does height really matter with a point guard? It's not like you're drafting her as a center, although that would be entertaining to watch. But, like first off, you know that UConn players are going to be good in the WNBA. Like when was the last time a UConn player was drafted high and didn't really turn out to be anything? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Like they all end up being at least at worst, like solid role players off the bench for you. So with what was supposed to be a weaker draft class, like wouldn't you kind of want that like high floor, even if it might be in theory, a low ceiling type player, like, I made this comparison around draft time, but it was kind of like Gabby Williams and Kia Nurse when they came out because Gabby was the super high upside player, but you knew she had a little bit more of the bust potential where you knew that Kia Nurse was going to be a good player in the WNBA. It was just going to be a matter of how good she was. And clearly she's an all-star. Same thing with Megan Walker and Crystal Dangerfield. Like I think Megan Walker can be a good player in the WNBA, but she's also got that bust potential. Whereas Crystal was never going to flame out of this league. It's just, like, I i really can't wrap my head around how she went to 16, and this is when I really wish that I can just, like, ask every single GM, like, like please, just tell me. Like, I, I'm not going to report it. I just want to know, like, why? Like, <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's actually, like, looking back at the draft today, and I was like, when I was like going into draft night, I thought she could have gotten as high as, like, 6. Like, the links picking her up at 6 would have been a good fit, I guess. Same. She was doing because she got her at 16, which is obviously a steal. I mean half of those picks are like were new york picks and i mean That's if right. new york had gone with like size or something that they needed like i could have understand passing on her because they do have like a pretty young strong backcourt but i mean they picked other guards so the fact that they just totally pass on crystal is interesting to me especially because other than Alicia claret they don't really have a true point guard i don't really sabrina's not a true point guard she didn't play the point in college she's really yeah. better off the ball So she would have obviously been a good pick for them at the point. Um, Then you had Phoenix. I guess made sense to pass on her, but kind of looking at other teams, I was just like, I can't believe that she fell all the way to sixteen.
0: Right, like considering like there's twelve teams in the WNBA. Like sixteen doesn't sound super low, but that's like a long way to drop. And I mean, like I would like to know what Cheryl Reeve has given up to get not just crystal to drop to her, but like Nafisa dropped a little bit to even get to the links. Like we all thought that Nafisa was going to go before Katie Lou and Katie Lou ended up going number three, but like how she even got to, how Fisa even got to Minnesota is incredible. So Cheryl Reeve has more or less just been gifted to Yukon players from the WNBA gods. And like, if they ever get Maya Moore back, Holy crap.
1: Exactly. Like, I mean, Minnesota is already much better this year than I think anyone would have anticipated, but they had more on that team. They would be probably up there with Seattle in the rankings right now. Um, it's been, yeah. And yeah, the fact that Nafisa fell to six will still baffle me. It'll always baffle me. I mean, she had probably, I know she didn't win player of the year or anything, but she had basically a national player of the year senior season in college. She's like one of the best total members in UConn ever. Like, her career gets underrated a little bit, but she's such a good player. And obviously, you know, it's first year All-Star. If there was going to be an All-Star game this year, she'd probably be an All-Star in the slight MVP. She's not really an MVP conversation, but like her name's not like so far off the list that you couldn't like bring her up in that context. So someone that's going to have just like an incredible WNBA career that again, she'll basically get gifted because no one else took her before six.
0: There's still no reason that she should have been left off every single player of the year award as a senior like that was just ridiculous like people would always be like oh who are you taking off it's like no who who are you putting on instead of nafisa like sabrina okay i understand the argument at least also have her on the list but like nafisa was did she average a double double i think she did she was just a machine
1: yeah a literal
0: machine like so cheryl reeve is a very very lucky person um but she's not seattle (laughs)
1: <laughs> Seattle's just a joke, jug- yeah, like,
0: no. <laughs> come on, is they're 10-1, and one, but no one's beating them.
1: Yeah, I honestly wouldn't be totally shocked if they just, like, don't lose another game for the rest of the season. They're just so much better than <laughs> everyone else right now. I think there was a status on Twitter today of something like their average margin of victory over the last, like, one, two, through five games, and basically all of them were, like, league records. It was just, like, insane. Um, so, yeah, they're beating everyone by a lot. I mean, I don't think anyone's surprised. They took basically their whole 2018 championship team, brought that whole team to the bubble. Everyone else is kind of without pieces that would make them contenders. And then adding the fact that that team is better than it was in 2018 because they had to find a way to win last year without Stewie and without Superd. So they're just like so much better in different positions than they were and then they could rely on the two of them. So just a very deep, very good team.
0: Did you see that photo of Sue Bird and Stewie on the bench, like the screenshot? And they both are just like incredibly bored because the game's not even close. I think it was Matt Ellentuck tweeted it. And he's like, they just want some competition. It's like, yeah, generally when UConn players go to the NBA, that's like when they actually start losing games. Like this is basically just like college again for those two. Yeah,
1: it's insane. (laughs) They're just, like you said, so much better than everyone else. It's insane. Uh, I I mean, not to say that, like, that's the normal case in the WNBA, right? Like, this is definitely a unique situation. There's a lot of star players missing that would have made that a little bit different. I think either way, Seattle was probably the favorite to win the title this year, but they would have had a little bit more competition in a normal season.
0: Yeah, and I think it also helps that Stewie's pretty much just like picked off where she left off, picked up where she left off the last time she was playing in the WNBA. Because like we watched her play against UConn in the exhibition game for Team USA, and like she was barely a shell of her old self. Which is like not knocking her because it was her first game back from the Achilles. But I think the fact that from I there are a couple more exhibition games between. Then in the start of the WNBA season, but she really hadn't played in a ton of games until the WNBA season started. The fact that she really hasn't missed a beat I, is incredible.
1: Yeah, I'd say at this point, she's probably the favorite to win MVP between her and Aisha Wilson are kind of the two names that everyone's jumping on right now, but yeah, I would say she's probably the favorite of those two. Um, yeah, hasn't missed a beat at all.
0: <laughs> so important question. For however long until Brianna Stewart retires, win the MVP in more than 50% of those seasons.
1: I feel like that would be totally unheard of, but Brianna Stewart is also like a level of basketball player that we haven't really seen anyone else either. So I don't know that more than 50%, but I have a feeling she'll have quite a few MVP trophies by the time she retires.
0: I feel like. At least I would hope, like, by the end of her like professional basketball career, that like, I don't think she's underrated by any means at UConn. Like, I think most people acknowledge she's one of the best at UConn of all time, if not the best. But like, with Stewie, there's always that qualifier of, oh yeah, but that class that she had, or like the teams that she had, compared to like Brianna or Diana Taurasi. But it's also like, yeah, but like literally nobody could stop her. And, like, I think we're finally seeing that at the WNBA level, where it's like, to be fair, like, Seattle is still also loaded, but I think she has a lot more responsibility and has to handle a lot more than she did in college when, like, her senior year, I think they had three players that weren't WNBA draft picks, and two of them were the walk ons. (laughs) And the the other one went on to become the all time three point leader at Arizona State in Courtney Eckmark. So, like, it's a step down in terms of help but like not a huge step so I think just like basically Brianna Stewart is extremely good at basketball in case people didn't
1: <laughs> yeah exactly I mean when people make that comparison like yes it's true but I mean in college she had all those players I mean, she played like probably less than 30 minutes a game most games right. because like they were just they could no one could touch them like even her like our last year they're national championship game they won by like a ton it's just like there was just no team that like could even come close
0: (laughs) not to go super off topic but the 2016 final four just (laughs) remains like the funniest thing to think about because like i remember it being such a big thing of like oh what a breakthrough for the sport uh you've got all, like three new teams that have never been to the final four before Washington, Oregon state, Syracuse. Oh yeah. And by the way, the best team ever that's just going to roll yeah. over whoever like ends up in their way. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like it, just the dichotomy of it of like such a great step up for the sport, but at the same time, like no one's beating UConn anyways, like that UConn team probably could have beaten some bad WNBA teams. Like they were just so loaded. It was unbelievable
1: yeah my parents like went to that final four and it was their first one and they're like we're going all in on like the good seats because it's basically a guarantee like they you right. don't have to worry
0: <laughs> right it's like this year it's like being stressed like all right final fours in new orleans like really want them to make it but like <laughs> at the same time i'm not super confident they're gonna get there so like gotta decide yeah.
1: I was supposed to go either way. Sad sad final four of the rest would have on a great location, but I know it is. <laughs> it's
0: just very on brand. The, <laughs> like it's in Tampa every other year's, which not to knock Tampa, but Tampa kind of sucks.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: like New Orleans. Oh, that would have been so much fun. But anyways. I uh, think
1: it's San Antonio this year, so if it happens. I thought
0: it was I thought it was Minneapolis.
1: That's the following year.
0: I I always forget San Antonio. I've heard San Antonio is fun, though.
1: Yeah, I've heard a good thing. So hopefully we'll get to go this year before it gets cold in Minneapolis. Minneapolis in March is not going to be a fun time.
0: Hopefully we just get to go. Hopefully there yeah. is final four. I think that's the first yeah, step.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's just hope for that.
0: <laughs> so sticking with the warm climates, Bria Hartley, holy crap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this has been insane for... Obviously for Phoenix, I think everyone like kind of questioned when she signed a max contract this offseason. They're like, "What are we paying her the max for?" I think Phoenix has more than answered that question. Like, I mean, she's been she came or started the first few games, I believe. Now is coming off the bench for them, but probably sixth woman of the year. She keeps coming off the bench. She's had like I think she's still in the top ten in the league in points per game. Been super efficient for them. Uh, Just. I think no one really expected that coming out of her season in New York last year, or the past couple of years, kind of just been average underwhelming contributor off the bench, but really being a star in Phoenix this year.
0: Right. I mean, I feel like she'd have to like either get injured or like really collapse, to not get the sixth woman of the year award at this point, just with how condensed the season is like someone would have to make up a lot of ground. Like what other six players are scoring 30 points a game off the bench? Like you don't hear the that in any basketball ever that's like some jeremy lynn type stuff
1: <laughs> yeah um got a case for most improved player too which would be fine could yukon still like major awards this year to be determined? No. they won't get defensive player of the year but like mbp rookies really... sixth one of the year could all be yukon players
0: and i i feel like it's all like yukon players like leading it at this point right like mm-hmm. i Rookie of the Year would probably be, be the closest one at this that point. At this point,
1: I would guess, right? Yeah, I feel like the MVP one is a little open still, but I mean, Stewie's the best player on the best team. But like, yeah, not if she doesn't win it. But Asia's stats are really, really good, so I think she has a case as well.
0: Yeah. So, all right, I'm gonna hit you with some quick fire WNBA questions. Uh, you aren't allowed to think.
1: Okay. <laughs> First one's really
0: easy. For so. The best UConn player in the WNBA right now? Dewey, that's not <laughs> Who's the best? Okay, I'm going to eliminate the Seattle Storm from this option. Who's the best team in the WNBA with UConn players on it?
1: If Seattle's not an option, Chicago.
0: Okay. Thoughts on Azaree Stevens while we're here?
1: <laughs> She's been great this season. Obviously, I think the perfect trade, right, for. Uh... Yeah. Chicago at least Lou didn't do great there but Ezra just fits a huge hole that they had in their rebounding and in their front court so it's been phenomenal for them no surprise
0: I'm gonna eliminate Bria Hartley from this next one biggest UConn surprise this year
1: Crystal Dangerfield
0: okay most improved that's not Bria Hartley
1: I'm not supposed to think, but Um, I would say either Azari, who's obviously having, but she hasn't really played that much. And Gabby Williams belongs in that conversation as well. She's had a much better season this year than she did last year.
0: I'm going to circle back. Best player that's not Brianna Stewart.
1: Like that's playing currently.
0: Best UConn player that's playing currently. That's not Brianna Stewart.
1: I'm going to say Nafisa, it might be a hot take. Not that Diana and Sue aren't great. They're just not in their prime anymore. Nafisa's been great.
0: Right. Did you see the story? I think ESPN, it came out yesterday or today, that Diana Taurasi's had back problems for the last 20 years.
1: I did not see that, but that's insane. Yeah, so
0: She takes 20 minutes to, or not 20 minutes, two hours to like get Ready for every single game because of her back problems. There's definitely a joke about her carrying the team in there, but (laughs) like the fact that she's like far and wide the greatest player of all time with back problems, like that's insane.
1: Yeah, it is totally insane. Also, kind of unrelated side note, but I really want one of those t-shirts that they have. Oh my god, yeah! (laughs) Like I need them to be sold.
0: (laughs) Also, I need them to sell the ones that Gino was wearing with the like Sharpie written a Gino, a GA production, like that, that makes the shirt like 20 times better.
1: It does. They really should sell both versions. I would buy both. (laughs) I don't know why they
0: have not Like,
1: no, I don't know what it is either.
0: Are is it just one of those things where they're like making it like a hot commodity so that like once they finally put it on the market, like the site's just going to crash because everyone wants it so bad but yeah we need one of those (laughs) they should just like if they ever retire diana's number at uconn which i'm not totally sure they will because i feel like retiring three is a little more difficult than like retiring 50 for rebecca lobo but instead of having like the big banner that they put up for rebecca lobo or like something that looks like the huskies of honor thing they should just put up that logo like the goat with the three and like, I don't think you need to explain it to anyone. And if you have to explain it to someone at a Yukon game, like they shouldn't be at the game anyways. So
1: they're not a real fan.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. And the last one, since basically half the Yukon stars in the NBA were injured, WNBA were injured last year, which player is the best to see back? Not necessarily like playing the best, just the one that you're personally happiest to watch again.
1: I think probably Seabird just because there's probably not a lot of Seabird years left. I mean, we've got yeah. plenty of Seabird years left, but <laughs> probably probably Seabird.
0: Hot take. Has the coronavirus sneaky extended their careers? Because both of them were at the USA game this past year. We're both kind of talking about how the Olympics were really going to be like their final run. So were they going to go, obviously, win gold medals? And then maybe run through, like, one more WNBA season before, like, feeling like, all right, this is it. So now that the Olympics are postponed another year, do does that extend their career another year or two? I don't know, but it's a thought. Because I know Sue Bird said that she, if, like, this season didn't happen, she was going to retire.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it might at least like probably guarantees that if they're going to play the Olympics next year. They'll probably play them in WNBA next year as well, just because timing wise, it's all at the same time, basically. So I guess one silver lining of coronavirus might be that we get one extra year of burden. <laughs> <Diana Trussi. laughs> uh,
0: just to be clear, like the single
1: yeah, silver the lining. Only, <laughs> the only one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all we got for today. So. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of Chasing Perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. Follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Subscribe to the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Read the UConn blog and store central. Megan, do you have anything else to plug? That's it. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. all right so we're gonna take an ad listen no (laughs) all right we're gonna take a quick ad break we'll be back in a little bit to talk about no we'll try this one again